Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. What are you living for? That's what Jesus is going to ask us today. He's talking to a group of people, you remember, sitting on a hillside, and he is discussing with them the fact that they are the representatives of the kingdom, that they are the salt of the earth, that they are the light of the world. In fact, let's review what he has said. We're talking today about living for the kingdom. What are you living for? Are you living for this earth, or are you living for the eternal kingdom. Jesus has said, look, first of all, if you're going to represent me, you need to understand you are part of a heavenly kingdom, and if you're going to represent this kingdom that you need, you need to be happy. You need to be happy, he says. Look, uh, you're poor in spirit, you're mourning, but you're going to be comforted. He said, don't, don't rejoice over the condition you're in, but rejoice in the position you hold. You are a representative of God. You're a member of the kingdom. You're part of his family. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. You have much to be happy about. So be happy about your position as a child of God and as as an heir to all of what God has. Be happy about that And rejoice in your position and understand the condition of this world is that it's lost. It's on its way to hell. It's going bad. But you're here to represent another kingdom, so be happy. And then he said, you're salt. He said, you're salt, and so you you have to speak truth. In this world that doesn't want to hear the truth, in this world of darkness, you need to remember you are the light. Nobody knows about Jesus. The only way they're going to find out about Jesus is if you tell them. People say, why are you having this Christmas experience and, and messing up my parking lot? Uh, why, are you, why, are you, why, is, why are you having this? Why do you do all this stuff to reach people? Because we're the light of the world. We're to represent Christ. And we're going to have, uh, we're going to have hundreds of lost people here in, on, this, uh, on this property tonight. And they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? That's what it's all about. We're to be the light of the world. We're to be happy. We're to be salt. We're to be light. If we're going to represent him, he doesn't want a bunch of mourning, dumb, uh, 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 unhappy people representing him. We're to represent him. And then he said there's several things you need to do, and we've seen this in the last several weeks, there's several things you need to do if you're going to represent me. He said, first of all, don't fight with your brothers and sisters. Don't be condemning your brothers and sisters. Don't be uh, uh, fighting with them. He said, don't live in love. If you live in lust, you're not going to be able to represent me. So don't live in lust. He says don't divorce your spouse. Work things out with your spouse. Love your spouse. Love your spouse unconditionally. He says be honest and trustworthy. Uh, There's nothing worse than an untrustworthy Christian. I mean, you really mess up the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. So be honest and be trustworthy. And then he said go the second mile. If somebody asks you to walk one mile, you walk the second mile. Go the second mile with them. Then he said, he said, love 
people unconditionally. No matter how they treat you, if they're evil to you, you be good to them. If they, if they persecute you, you pray for them uh, that despise you and, and that persecute you. He said you love your enemies. So love people unconditionally. We need to love our enemies. We need to love our neighbors. We need to love one another as he loved us. We need to love our children. We need to love our spouse. We need to love unconditionally. That, should, that is the characteristic that shows people that we are really the children of God. And then he said, don't live for the praise of man. Don't live so that people walk around praying out loud so people will say, wow, what a great guy that person is. Or, or just pushing your uh, spirituality or whatever you do, whether it's giving or whether it's, whether it's uh, praying or, or whether it's fasting, don't do it for the praise of man. Uh, uh, live for the praise of God. Then give, we saw last week, you need to be a giver, not a taker. If you're a child of God, be a giver, not a taker. You need to pray. You need to be someone who, de- who daily is praying and that you're spending time alone with God. And then you should be somebody who practice, practices the discipline of fasting. Now, he's going to go beyond that today, and he's saying, now, this is, how, this is your attitude in living. He says, if you're going to live for the kingdom, he says, lay up treasures in heaven. Look what he says in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. He says, lay up not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. It doesn't matter what you've got and it doesn't matter what your security system is. The fact of the matter is we live on a corrupt earth and bad things happen. And so if you're living for this earth, it's going to fade away. You're going to have your, your brand new car, your brand new car that you just got yesterday, five years from now. It's going to rust. It's going to have problems, and uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it to fade because of the hot Las Vegas sun beating down on it. It doesn't matter. You, I'll get it repainted. It's going to fade again. The Bible says, Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where rust, moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then he says this, the light of the body is the eye. That's what he's saying. What you focus on is what you are going to do. You focus on something long enough and you're going to wind up being there and doing that. He says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So if you're focused singularly on living for eternity, living for eternal things, then your whole body is going to be, you're going to have direction, you're going to have clarity in what this life is all about. But if thine eye be evil, if you're focused on the things of this world, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If that's where your eyes are focused, if you're looking for the, for the things of this world, if you're looking for what you can get on this planet, you're going to be full with darkness. He, then he says this. It's an amazing statement. No man. This is an absolute statement by, by Jesus. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he tells us the two masters, you cannot serve God and mammon. In the words, 
word mammon there is money. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. Father, help me to teach your people tonight, today. Father, give me wisdom. Father, help me to learn, relearn this lesson, Father, that we cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot serve God, you, and money. God, we have to be totally and completely sold out to you and then leave the, the, the things of this world to you and whatever you want to do with them. I pray, Father, you teach us, help us to take your truth, help us to apply it to our lives, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is very clear here. He says, don't lay up or, or lay up treasures in heaven. Don't lay up treasures on the earth. Don't live for the world because when you do, you live for the world, you are going to be disappointed. It doesn't matter how much you get, it will not satisfy. It doesn't matter what you think you're going to attain, whether it's fame or fortune, uh, whatever it is, that new position at the job. If you're living for that, There's nothing wrong with having things, but if you're living for that thing, if that's what you're focused on, you're going to wind up unhappy because it will not satisfy. Solomon said this in Proverbs. He said, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of men are not satisfied. Have you ever gone on a diet? You ever tried to diet? You go on a diet and you say, okay, there's certain foods I am not going to eat. I am just not going to eat those foods. And then all you do is think about those foods. You think about them and you think about them and you think about them and you think about them. And then, then you walk by one day and you see what you've been thinking about. And you say, I don't care. I'm eating that. That hot fudge sundae was put there by God for me. And then you take that, that thing that you wanted and you eat the whole thing up. Whatever it is, you may not like hot fudge Sunday. Maybe it's pizza. I don't know what it is. But, but you, you, you eat that thing up. And when you're finished, here's what you want. More. That's, that's the way it is. You just, you, it, the, God says hell and destruction are never full and the eyes of man are never satisfied. We're never satisfied. There was a... A a news reporter that was alive during the time that John F. Kennedy was president. John F. Kennedy came from a very wealthy family. And he went to John F. Kennedy and he asked him, he said, uh, Mr. Kennedy, how much money makes you rich? You're very rich. He said, oh, I'm not rich. He said, if you want to talk to somebody rich, go talk to John Rockefeller. John Rockefeller at that time was the richest man in the world. And so this interviewer went and interviewed John Rockefeller. He said, how much money is too much, or how much money is enough money? How much money is enough money? And John Rockefeller's answer was this, just one more dollar. Just one more dollar. I want just one more, just one more, just one more. You're never satisfied. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes. He said, he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. He that loveth abundance with, uh, with increase, uh, this is also vanity. The person that just runs after things and runs after things and runs after things will never be satisfied. Getting the thing you thought you wanted will leave you disappointed. When I was a kid, uh, my, my, my dad, um, my dad 
died when I was 10 years old, but before he died, my dad used to raise pigeons. I think that's why I hate pigeons so much. But he, he used to raise pigeons out in his backyard. Out in the backyard, uh, we built a, he built a six-foot brick wall all around our backyard. And if you went out to our backyard, uh, on top of the six-foot wall, he put a, a roof that came out all probably four to six feet and went back about eight foot, and then he built a pigeon coop in that, in, un, underneath that. So he used the wall, uh, the outside wall, as, uh, as the roof and, or, or, to put the roof on, and then there was a stick here, and, and then it was built in. So the two sides were built, had, had chicken wire around it, and he kept his pigeons in there. Well, after my dad died, that sat, that sat empty, I was about 11 years old, and me and my friends, uh, me, me and my friends Mark and Charlie and Russell, um, we, we thought, we were, we were like pretty cool kids, and we thought, hey, we're going to build a fort out of that, and we're going to have a club, and that's, we're going to make a clubhouse out of there. So we went over there, and we just said, this is going to be great. We're going to rip down... Uh, the, the chicken wire, and then we're going to build, uh, build that into a fort. It's going to be a really cool fort. Now, out in back of our house at that time, they were building the North Las Vegas City Hall, and they were building the North Las Vegas Library. And so uh, people would be doing construction all during the day, and when they went home at night, there were pieces of wood that were left there all over the place. And we borrowed some of that wood... <laughs> And uh, took that wood over to our to to my yard, and I mean it was scrap wood. It was cut sideways, and we just we got some nails and we nailed it all together. We even made a window in the side, and then we made a we we worked it out to where there was a door uh, right next to the brick wall. There was a door, and uh, and we worked on we worked on this for weeks. This was going to be the greatest thing in the world. It was our fort, and we had we had, we're going to now have a club, and this is going to be our club and our and our our clubhouse and our fort. It was just going to be really great. We got it all done. We worked on it, and we worked on it, and we worked on it. We got it all done, and then, uh, then it was time. We got some chairs, and we put them inside the clubhouse, and we sat there, and I said, uh, you know, we got this is a club. Somebody's got to be the president, and it's my yard. So uh, I became the president of the club, and Mark was my next-door neighbor, so he, came, he was the vice president. Well, Russell wasn't there, but, but uh, Charlie was there, and we said, well, what are we going to call Charlie? We, and he, I said, we can call him the secretary. He said, I'm not a secretary. That's a girl's job. And, uh, and so uh, this is 1960s thinking. And so, uh, so uh, he said, he, I said, well, what can we call you? He said, my, dad's, my dad is a part of, a, a, had a membership somewhere. He said, they have a sergeant at arms. I said, so you want to be sergeant at arms? That's a cool name. He said, yeah, I'll be sergeant at arms. I said, okay. I said, so he said, so what does that mean? I said, that means you guard the front door. And so, so I sat in my chair, and, and Mark sat in his chair as vice president, me and the president, and, and, and Charlie stood by the door. <laughs> and we had our club. We said, what do we do now? And I said, you know, I don't know. We, I don't know what... And we talked for a little while. And then we went out. I said, let's go play. So as the president, I determined we should go play. And we played. And we never went back into the clubhouse ever again. Because <laughs> there was no reason to. See, we built and we worked and we worked. And I'm telling you, people live their lives this way. 
They live and they live and they work and they work and they work to get something and to work to, to get something and to get something. And they find out when they get it, it doesn't satisfy. And Jesus is warning about this. He says, he says don't, don't lay up treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. He's, he's, he, I, I, have friends, I have friends that can't settle anywhere. They're always going to the next place. They're always going to the next place. And they can't find the ultimate place because there is no satisfaction on this planet when, if you're living for material things. During the, during the Depression, millionaires killed themselves because they couldn't make the next buck. There is just no things, no, no satisfaction on this planet. So Jesus said, instead of that, lay up treasures in heaven. Lay up treasures in heaven. He said, there's no moths eating your clothes. There's no rust on your cars. No thieves are breaking in. See, here's the deal. Your heart will be, he says this, you need to remember this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you're living for the next house, then that's where your heart is going to be. If you're living for material things, that's where your heart's going to be. And the decisions you make will all be about those material things and what you can get for yourself. You place all your money in worldly investments and your heart will be there. But if you live for the things of God and you lay up treasures in heaven, then your heart's going to be there and you're going to want to be involved in the things of God and you're going to be serving. So you say, well, that sounds good, but how do you lay up treasures in heaven? You know, you can't take it with, them, with you. You can't take it with you. There's no such thing as a hearse, behind, uh, a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. And even if you could take it and you buried it with you, uh, it, that's where it stays. You can't take it with you, people say. But Jesus said just the opposite. Jesus said there are some things you can take with you because he says to lay up treasures in heaven. Well, how do I do that? How do I send treasures ahead? Well, let me give you several things. Number one, every time you pray for lost people, according to Hebrews chapter 11, you are laying up rewards in heaven. You're laying up treasures in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Bible says this, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, now listen, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When I go and I pray for lost souls, when I pray, uh, God, save that person, and that person gets saved, that person is going to heaven, and that's part of my treasure in heaven. I need to pray for lost souls every time I pray. Uh, listen, I, I'm, God is rewarding me because I'm diligently seeking him. When I pray for the lost, when I pray for people to get saved, every time I pray, I'm laying up treasures in heaven. So be faithful in your prayer life. And then every time you invite, I love this, every time you invite someone to church, you're laying up treasure. People will say, you know, I've invited so many friends and they just never come. Just keep inviting. Keep inviting. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. He that planteth, planteth, and he that watereth. Uh, this past week, my wife and I were out walking. My, my wife uh, helps me to exercise every day. We walk uh, around our uh, 
our housing development, we walk, and we were walking the other day, and we came uh, by a, a house that had been vacant, and somebody was moving in. So Anna said to me, David, you should go give him an invitation to church. And I said, okay. So I, I, I walked over, and I said, hi, uh, my name's Dave Tyson. This is my wife, Anna. I said, are you just moving in? He said, yes, we are. Uh, I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Jordan. And uh, I said, like the, like the Jordan River. He said, uh, well, yeah. I said, okay, Jordan, good, good to meet you, Jordan. And uh, he said, uh, uh, I said, uh, hey, uh, I, I live around the corner and told him where we lived. And I said, can I, can I give you something? And I reached in my pocket and I got out, nope, this is a Christmas card. Thank you for the Christmas card. Uh, anyway, I reached in my pocket and I pulled out a a, one of our Christmas cards, and I pulled out a gospel track. I said, I said, let me invite you to come to church. And I gave it to him. We talked to him for a few minutes, talked to him about what was going on in the neighborhood, invited him to the Christmas experience this afternoon, and then we walked away. You say, did he get saved? I don't know. Will he get saved? I don't know. Will he come? I don't know. But here's the deal. I planted. You understand? I planted. Now somebody else might come along and water. Here's the deal. I get a reward for planting. I get a, a reward for planting. I get a reward for watering. I get a reward uh, for whatever, whatever part I have in the process. I'm going to do that. Interesting, yesterday, Pastor Neil and I went to visit uh, a couple of ladies that had visited the church, and we stopped by their house and knocked on the door, and uh, the, the lady's son answered the door. And you know what his name was? Jordan. <laughs> and, and, and really, and I said, like... Like, like the Jordan River. I said that again. He said, he said like Michael Jordan. I said, okay. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so uh, he's a basketball fan. Anyway, so I said, um, um, I said, I said, Jordan, I talked to him for a little while. I said, we want to invite you to, to the Christmas experience. I gave him a gospel track and gave him an invitation to the Christmas experience. And then we left. You said, well, did he get saved? No, I don't know. And not there. Was he saved? I don't know. I just invited him to church. But here's the deal. Uh, I just planted. You know what I got? A reward in heaven. See, you don't have to be the guy that's bringing everything. But here's the deal. Every time you do something, Samson, for the Lord, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you. I was thinking about you the other day. I haven't seen you. I know you're around here because everybody tells me about you. But uh, anyway, Samson's right here. You should watch him knock down walls. Uh, Samson, every time you hand somebody a track, you're planting. You're planting. Anytime you, you help somebody with the gospel, you're watering. And the Bible tells us very simply that, that God rewards those that plant and those that water. So, so, hey, I can send up rewards. I can send up uh, treasures in heaven by, by praying for the lost. I can send up treasures in heaven by planting and by watering and by sharing with people the gospel. Every time you give to God's work locally or to missions, you're laying up treasures in heaven. In Luke, Jesus said this. He said, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be children of the highest. God says, look, if you give to the work of God, whether it's to missions, whether it's to somebody that's in need, when you give and you give out of a heart not expecting from human beings any kind of reward, then you're laying up treasures in heaven. 
You're laying up treasures in heaven. Yeah, I can, lay, I can take something with me because God says this. Don't, he says, listen, lay up treasures in heaven, not on this earth. There's nothing corrupting what you got up there. There's nothing messing up what you've got up there. Every time you speak the truth, Jesus tells us, or stand for truth, you lay up treasures in heaven. I love this verse, and we already looked at this early on in Matthew chapter 5. He says this, blessed are you, when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for, for my sake. That is, you've spoken the truth about Jesus and people are reviling you. You've spoken the truth about moral truth. You've spoken the truth about the Bible. You've spoken the truth to, this, to a corrupt generation. He says, look, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. When you stand for truth, you're sending up treasures in heaven. So from this, we understand that your obedience goes to heaven. And souls, eternal souls that you tell about Jesus, those souls go to heaven. When you get to heaven, there'll be people that meet you that say, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. There'll be people from the mission field that say, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Great is your reward in heaven. We're to live not for these earthly things that pass away. Don't be waiting for your clubhouse to be empty and think, man. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a clubhouse. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having any of those things. Jesus is just very simply saying, look, don't live for these things. Don't live for these things. Live for the eternal. Then you say, well, man, if I do that, if I live that way, I'll be dressed in rags. Uh, I won't have anything to eat. If I live for the eternal, then I, I won't have anything to eat. I'll, I'll, I'll be dressed in rags. I'll have no place to live. If, I mean, I've got to think about the things on this earth. I have to think about these and Jesus knew that that's what you were going to think. And so he says in verse 35, he starts teaching in verse 25, I'm sorry, to trust God to supply your earthly needs. Now you're living for the things of, this, of, of eternity. You're living for eternity. You're living for the kingdom. And, and while you're doing that, you're going to have some needs on this earth. And so Jesus says, therefore I say unto thee, unto you take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Isn't that what we think about in America all the time? What's the next meal going to be? What are we going to go? Where are we? Don't, don't think about those things. Take no thought. The word take no thought means don't worry about those things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to put on your body. Is not life, this life on this earth, more than meat and the body than raiment? Then he says this. I love this. He says, behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Now here's Jesus saying this. You're better than the birds. You are much better than the birds. He says, are you not much better than these? So I, I thought about that. He said to consider the birds. So I thought, look, there's the birds of the air. And I got a picture of the birds of the air, and I looked at them. And in fact, I went through 
dozens of bird pictures. And I found out this. Birds are fat. They really are. I mean, there's fat birds. Uh, look at them. And you look at them. And I've, I've, I've thought about all the birds that I've seen in my life. I've seen, I've seen birds downtown Las Vegas. They look scrungy, but they're fat. They, they don't go without. There's food for them to eat. And Jesus said, I want you to think about them. Think about the birds. Look at how beautiful they are. Look at the fat bird. I mean, he's fat. God, God supplies the needs of birds. He feeds them. And they're not a bunch of skinny birds around. I mean, I know there's storks and, you know, there's long stringy things. But I'm telling you, they're eating well. I, I was, my wife and I were up in Canada Oh, Matthew was about 11 or 12 years old. Hope wasn't even born yet. Um, Faith was about two years old. And we were, we were up in Canada. We were, I had determined that before I got old, I was going to drive the Alcan Highway. So I had a 1978 Buick LeSabre. I took my four kids and our dog and Lassie and... Uh, we have original names for our pets. And uh, so I, I took them, and we took them all, we took a tent up on top of our roof. And the car was, the, the trunk was filled with food, and we, we drove up to Edmonton, Ontario. Well, to get there, in, in order to get to Edmonton, you have to drive over the Canadian Rockies. So we drove, driving over the Canadian Rockies, and as we were going through, there was this massive waterfall. My wife said, hey, can you stop so I can take a picture of this waterfall? I can remember it just it was flowing out of the mountains. It wasn't like dropping down. It was just flowing out of the mountains, and it was going to go underneath the road, and then it went over to this lake. So we pulled over so she could get a picture, and she got the picture, and then we walked over to where the lake was. When we, when we walked over to where the lake was, over to our left, about 20 or 30 feet, there was a guy that was fishing and then we just stood we stood under these pine trees and we're looking out at the lake and when we when we when we walked out there it was like God sent us a beautiful picture God we we got to see and this isn't the eagle but we got to watch an eagle soaring through the air and I thought oh isn't that beautiful look a bald eagle and that is so amazing we watched him and then we watched him do this we watched him dive down into the water and snatch a fish out of the water. It was the coolest thing. It was like God said, hey, I want to show you something neat. And, and, and they, they, they went down there and I thought, wow, God feeds the birds of the air. God supplies their needs. There's not any bird that's wondering where his next meal is going to come from. He trusts the God of the universe. And I got to remind you, I, I, I got I to remind you this, birds are fat. All right? So you need to understand that God says, look, when God says, uh, don't worry about those things, don't worry about those things, understand what he's saying is he takes care of them. And you're not going to starve. It's not going to like, oh, I'm going to be eating dog food the rest of my life. I'm not going to do anything. Look, my wife and I came here. I, I've told you this before. We started this church. We had $14 in our bank account, and God supplied we just gave it all to God, trusting God. We, I, my wife and I have eaten in some of the finest restaurants in the world, and we've not paid for it. When I pay for it, we go to McDonald's. I like it. Uh, uh, no, uh, actually, we don't go to McDonald's because my wife wants me to be healthy. And so, um, but, but listen, I'm telling you, 
We haven't starved. We haven't starved. I'm like you. I have to go on a diet. I have to go on a diet. Why? Because God has blessed me so much. If you do what God wants you to do, you'll not be just getting by. Oh, what are we going to do? God will supply, and he'll supply in some very unusual ways at different times. It has been amazing what God has done for us over the last uh, 46 years. When we started with nothing, God has blessed us immensely. I'm telling you this. You seek, uh, you, you, you need to live for the kingdom and not live for yourself. And God says, hey, this is what you're going to be. You're going to be like, you're going to be like the birds of the field. He takes care of them. But that's not all. Look at this. Look at verse 27. He says, which, he, he shows, he, he gives this exaggerated illustration. He says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? He said, which of you, by worrying about it, can make yourself 18 inches taller. That's what a cubit is. It's 18 inches, okay? So he says, which of you by thinking about it, just standing there thinking about it, can, can grow 18 inches? Absolutely absurd. When I was a kid, I got to the, the height, my height, my tallest height was five foot, and still is, five foot 11 and a half. I wanted six foot so bad. I mean, I, I, started, I started looking at ways you could get to six foot. You know, you get shoes that lift you up, so you get, I, I wanted just that, that, that half an inch. I wanted to be six foot, and I couldn't get to six feet. I, I, I read things about these things that can hang you in the doorways, and you hang in the doorway, and you can hang upside down and bounce, and you can get to six foot. I never made it. I'm only five, 11 and a half. Everybody say, ah. Thank you. So, but, uh, so I, never got, I never got to my, to my desired height because you can't do it. You can't get a half an inch. You can't get 18 inches. It's absolutely absurd. And that's what Jesus says. So then he goes on. He says, let me give you another illustration. He says, and why take you thought for your raiment? He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He said, listen, you can't make yourself grow by worrying and you're not going to change what you wear by worrying and thinking about it. He says, yet, he said, you need to consider the lilies of the field. Wherefore, he said, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow was cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? He says, look, Solomon in all of his glory wasn't, wasn't arraigned, it wasn't as beautiful as the lilies of the field. Look at this. Look, at there's a lily. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful thing. I, and only God can make that. And God decided because that lily was created to bring glory to God. So God made it beautiful and dressed it beautifully. Look at this one. Uh, and they come, by the way, in all sorts of shapes and colors. They're, they're beautiful. The lilies of the field are gorgeous. God said, look, look how I clothe them. They just trust me. They trust. Look, look, at, look at this. There's, they're, again, all colors. Consider the lilies of the field. Look at them. They're, they're gorgeous. They're, they're there. They're bright. They're beautiful. Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed as well as them. We, we worry about what we're going to wear. We worry about what we're, 
we're going to have on. I, 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 and, and yet Jesus said, look, God takes care of them. God will take care of you. I remember when our church was about eight or nine years old, one morning we got up, Anna was getting the kids ready, we got, getting ready to go, getting into the car, and the strap on Anna's shoe broke. And she said, oh, David. She said, we need to, you need to pray that God will give me some shoes. So we stopped right there and said, Lord, we pray that you'll give Anna some shoes. She needs shoes to wear to church. not good for her to go to church barefoot uh, as the pastor's wife. And God, I pray that you'll just give her some shoes. So she fixed her shoes so it would work, and, 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 and we, went to, we went to church. On, when we got to church, um, uh, we were walking in the door of the church, and a lady named Jeannie Whalen yelled out and said, Anna, Anna. And, and Anna turned around, and her and I walked up to where Jeannie was, and Jeannie said, hey, she said, strangest thing happened this morning. God just put you on my heart and told me to give you this. And she said, oh, okay. And she took it and she said, thank you very much. And it was an envelope. And Jeannie walked away. And as soon as Jeannie walked away and as soon as we could open the envelope, uh, she opened the envelope. She said, David, there's $100 in here. Now, you got to understand my wife. My wife, when it comes to buying stuff for her, she finds the cheapest, most inexpensive. She's the lady that goes to Payless Shoe Store when they're having a sale. And and, and she she gets those, you buy one and you get the other one half price. That's that's my wife. That's what she does. Her shoes, like, cost six bucks uh, and that type of thing. She said, oh, she said, there's a hundred dollars. I said, she said, what do we do with this? I said, God gave that to you for shoes. So you get shoes. She said, $100? I said, $100 worth of shoes. That's what you do. And you know what she did? She got $100 worth of shoes. She got her some shoes and her kids some shoes. And, uh, and, but but she, she, uh, she, it's amazing. People think that if you trust God, that you're going to go somehow, you're going to go barefoot. If you, if you trust God, you're not going to have the right clothes. I'm telling you, God dresses the lilies of the field, Jesus said. And if he takes care of them, you're more important than them. Look how he says it again. He says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more? Uh, will he clothe you of ye of little faith? Look, God said if he takes care of these things and they're burning up in just a couple of days, they're gone. God's going to take care of you. Just trust him. It's not as though you're trusting him and now you've got to live in poverty the rest of your life and you're not going to have any food to eat and you're not going to have any clothes to wear. Trust him to take care of your needs. In verse 31 he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Well, what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things before you ask. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. And he wants you to ask him for them. We saw that last week. But he knows what your needs are. And he's not going to let you starve. And he's not going to let you go naked. He's going to take care of you. So, Then he says this. His next point is this. Seek first the kingdom. Look, it's nothing wrong with having certain things. It's nothing wrong with having nice things. And it's nothing wrong with with you uh, enjoying different activities. But don't live for those. 
He's, remember, he says, he says, seek first the kingdom and doing what is right. That's your first priority. And then all these things will be added unto you. It's not money, and it's not having things that's wrong. It's the love of money. For the love of money, Paul says to Timothy, is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. If you live for money, if you live for things, you will wind up being very sorrowful. You will be unhappy. But here's, what, here's the promise. Seek first his kingdom. Seek him first before anything else. And the things that you need will be added unto you. And I think the things that you, that, that, that you would like, he'll add to you. When I was 10 years old, my sister, uh, she was like my hero. She was like 15 years older than me. Had a, 15, a brother that's, that's uh, 13 years older than me. And, a, and my sister, my oldest sister, is 15 years older than me. Uh, she got a... Uh, 1965 Mustang, brand new. She drove it over to our house. It was the coolest thing in the world. I thought, man, my sister is so cool. She would, she would put, put, put us, me and my brother and my sister, in the car with her, and she would drive us to the Boulevard Mall, which was the coolest mall in the world back then. Yeah, things change. Um, <laughs> moth and rust doth corrupt. Uh, uh, so... Uh, she'd take us over there and, and she'd, she'd take us different places and riding around in that Mustang with my sister was so cool. And I, I always thought, boy, I'd like to have a Mustang sometime. That'd be cool to have a Mustang. Wasn't anything I lived for. Wasn't anything I, I was going to work for. But I, but I thought, boy, Mustangs are cool. And when I saw Mustangs drive down the road, I think that's a cool Mustang. And I think that's a cool Mustang. And wow, that, look at that. I even knew the kind of Mustang I wanted. If I ever got a Mustang, I was going to get a red one. It was going to be a convertible. It was going to be five-speed. But it wasn't anything I was going to live for. It wasn't anything I was going to, uh, I was going to die for. I, <clears throat> but one day, uh, a friend of mine who lived in Flagstaff, Arizona, drove over to visit me here. And it was on a Saturday. He said, I had to show you this. And he just got a, a Mazda Miata. Little red sports car, Mazda Miata, two-seater. And uh, he said, you want to take it for a ride? I said, sure. So I drove it around, and I thought, this is so cool. I'm so glad you got that. And uh, the next day, I was preaching. It was Sunday morning, and I was preaching, and uh, I was giving an illustration about me spending time with my wife and how I wanted to spend time alone with her, but I had all these kids at the house. And I said, I said, my wife wants to, well, my wife, when we get married, when, or when we have grandkids, wants to get a 15-passenger van so that they can out, get all the grandkids. And I said, I'm not doing that. When I, when I, uh, when the kids are out of the house, I'm buying a Mazda Miata. Uh, and that way, two things. Number one, she, there's only room for her and me, and she can't get away from me, that Mazda Miata. So, because uh, so, I like my wife. And so, um, so that was just my joke. That was the little thing I was, I was using while I was preaching. The next day or two days later, my son, Matthew, was sitting in the office, and he got a phone call. And he said, hey, is it a sin for a preacher to wear a sports car, to drive a sports car? And my, my son said, uh, well, no. He said that I'm buying your dad a Mazda Miata. 
Why should he have to wait to retire to drive a, a, a Mazda Miata? And my, my son said, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. My dad would not want a Mazda Miata. He was just using that as an illustration. He said, he said oh, he said he wanted, he said, well, he was, just, he was just using that as an illustration. And then the gentleman said this. He said, well, I saw your dad looking at Mustangs out in the parking lot. Would he like a Mustang? And my son said, he'd love a Mustang. He said, what color? He said, red. He said, convertible or hardtop? He said, I'd like a convertible. He'd like a convertible. And he said, well, he probably want a, an automatic. He said, no, he wants five-speed. He said, okay, I'm going to get him one. It was a few weeks later, I came walking into my office, and I was a little late coming into the office. And uh, as I walked in, I said, I, I, I can't be disturbed. I'm going to do some studying. And Matt said, oh, we have an appointment at 1 o'clock. I said, why? I said, I, I have stuff to do. He said, no, no, Dad, you're not going to want to miss this appointment. Matthew packed me in the car, and we drove over to Friendly Ford, and there was a brand-new 2002 uh, Mustang convertible. People say, where'd you get the Mustang? That's how I got the Mustang. And, and, and I'm just telling you this. I never prayed for a, I never prayed for a Mustang. I never prayed for, I, I never thought, sought after it. I'm just telling you this, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these things that you're not thinking about that, that you would like, you're not going to have to worry. God will get them to you when he wants to give it to you. God likes to take care of his kids. I love my grandkids. I, I tell them on Thanksgiving Day, they, I say, you need to make a list of what you want for Christmas because today's the day. Tomorrow I'm going shopping and I get on the internet and go shopping. You say, why do you do that? Because I love my grandchildren. I like to get them stuff. If I can afford it, I'm going to get it for them because I like them. And, uh, and so uh, God's, God does that. Look, always thought it would be neat to parachute. I always thought it would be really neat to parachute. Two things I wanted to do as a kid. I wanted to go parachuting and I wanted to go skin diving. You know, because uh, I used to watch this show years ago called Sea Hunt and I wanted to go, go skin diving. So, um, I'm, I'm uh, asked to come to Acapulco and I'm asked to preach in a missions conference in Acapulco. I turned it down one year and then two years later they said, please come to this missions conference. I said, okay. So I went to, the, went to Acapulco and I said, wow, if there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to put my feet in Acapulco Bay. I'm going I'm to actually say I swam in Acapulco Bay. Never, never asked for that, but I'm here. I'm going to do that. Well, I got there, and it was one meeting. I'm on the board of this, of this mission board called Mount Abira Mission. So, so uh, they're having meetings, and they have meetings. And I'm either speaking or I'm in a meeting. I'm in speaking or in a meeting, and time keeps going by, and I'm thinking, man, I only got one more day here, and there's meetings and meetings, and it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and the next meeting is 5 o'clock. I have a three-hour window, and we're in the top story of this of this hotel right on Acapulco Bay and uh, Anna said what are we going to do I said I don't care what else I do I'm leaving right now I'm going down to our room we're going to get shorts on and I'm going out there I'm putting, at least going to put my toe in Acapulco Bay if I'm here because I'm never coming back and so uh, uh, she said well you're not even going to have time to do it. I said I don't care so, I got, so we, went, we ran upstairs got, our, got the, uh, uh, got the uh, clothes, got in shorts and a t-shirt and, and ran out. To, I'm running out to Acapulco Bay just to do it and, uh, and to get in that water. And 
uh, there's a singing group that was there at the conference as well. And they said, hey, Dr. Tice, Dr. Tice. I said, what? They said, hey, have you ever wanted to go parasailing? I said, oh, yeah, but I don't have time. Look at that line. They said, we paid for you uh, to go parasailing. And he said, he, said, uh, he, said, he said, you can go right to the front of the line, like right now. We already paid if you'll allow us to videotape you uh, doing this. I said, I don't care. I said, let's go. So we, he takes us over. He takes me over, and he says, this is the guy. And, and the guy speaks Spanish, doesn't speak any English at all. And so, uh, you know, a few words, like run and uh, that type of stuff. So he said, they, they harnessed me up. And I'm, I'm harnessed now, and I'm ready to go. I had watched people parasail in, on TV at... Um, uh, in Hawaii. And what they do in Hawaii is they take you on the back of a boat and they let you out on the back of the boat and you just go out and then, then uh, you go up. And I thought, well, that sounds like pretty easy. That's something I could do. But th in Mexico, they don't do it that way. In Acapulco, I'm, I'm standing there on the shore. I said, so where do we get in the boat? And he said, no boat, no boat. I said, what do you do? He said, run. And I look, I'm attached to a rope. And the rope's attached to a boat, and there's a big wad of, of stuff right here. And he said, boat, go, you run. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah, I'm, you know, sometimes you're committed. And so uh, I said, uh, okay. And uh, so the, the boat took off, and I'm watching as the rope is going floop, 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 floop. And, and the, it's un, unwinding, and pretty soon it's a tight rope, and I'm running. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going in the water. I'm going in the water. And when I got right to the edge of the water, my feet were on top of the water. And I said, Jesus, I'm walking on water. <laughs> and I took off, and I, I got to parasail all around Acapulco Bay, all the way around. And I'm just, it, I'm just enjoying this. I'm thinking, Lord, thank you. Thank you for letting me do this. I, I don't deserve to be able to do this. And then I thought, how do you get down? <laughs> and so they comes around, and there's a guy down there, like, waving a yellow flag, and there's a yellow thing hanging here. I think that means pull that yellow thing. So I pulled the yellow thing, and I descended perfect 3.0 landing. Uh, and so uh, it was great. You say, why did you get to do that? i tell you why. Because as imperfect as I am about this, when I was 16 years old, I said, I'm going to seek first the kingdom. And these things, these little things that are so unimportant and so trivial are added unto you. Here's what God's Word says. Look, God says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Living for Jesus, living for the eternal is a wonderful thing. And so Jesus said, look, he said this, Lay up treasures in heaven. Don't be living for the things in this earth. He says, trust him to supply your material needs. And, and then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says this, he'll supply you all that you need, everything you'll need to do his will. Just seek first the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you help us to take what your word says and live it. I pray, Father, that we would seek you first above everything else, and doing what you want us to do. I pray if there's somebody here that's not saved, that before they leave here, they'll put their faith and trust in you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.